0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Thursday, June the 29th, 2023. It is currently 7.33 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas, and in this studio— There are always books everywhere. There is no organization. (laughs) There are not even bookshelves. There are just books scattered all over the place. They're on the table. They're on the floor. They're on chairs. (laughs) They're every, there's no, there, this is, it's a total and complete and absolute mess. But there are books everywhere. And so anytime that I'm in the studio, well, I tend to see a book and I'll pick it up and I'll just start looking at it. And there's been one book that I have now picked up a couple of times and I've gone live talking to you about it. I haven't started a series on the book or anything like that. It's just been kind of, you know, different devotional message messages based off the book. All right. Now, the name of the book, we've talked about it now a number of times, is called Spiritual Warfare. And the storyline of Scripture. Spiritual warfare and the storyline of Scripture, a biblical, theological, and practical approach. Spiritual warfare and the storyline of Scripture, a biblical, theological, and practical approach. Now remember, I don't know anything about this book at all. I was ordering a different book and then Amazon did that thing where hey if you buy, if you buy this book with the one you're buying you can get it you can get both books for you know 14.95 or 18.95 whatever it was and I'm like well you know I'll just get the book so I got the book and I I keep it here on the table I don't know why like almost directly under the microphone so every time I sit down I see the book Again, spiritual warfare and the storyline of scripture, a biblical, theological, and practical approach. And I'll, as I'm sitting here going, you know, what am I going to broadcast about now? What am I going to broadcast? I have a tendency while I'm just sitting there thinking to pick up the book and then just start reading some pages. And I'll be like, ooh, maybe we should talk about that. So we're going to look at a section here. I think it, I, I, hope you'll find it to be interesting. I hope you'll find it to be beneficial. I think it raises... I think, some important questions. So I hope you will put your thinking caps on. If you can, a Bible, a notebook, something to write with. You can take a few notes. And mainly, I want you to just struggle with the concept, all right? And the main concept that we're going to look at is this idea of God sending an evil spirit. God sending an evil spirit, How do you, and from your theological perspective, how do you handle, how do you process, how do you understand the concept of God saying, hey, here you go, here's an evil spirit, here you go, here's a demon here you go. I'm going to get basically, and it's like, how do you process? Do you try to explain it away? Do you accept it? Does it cause you problems? Does it cause you difficulties? Well, that's going to be the phrase that we're going to be talking about. But let's just do a kind of a quick review again of this book. And it's not even really a quick review, just to kind of give you some fuller context here. Again, the book, Spiritual Warfare and the Storyline of Scripture, A Biblical, Theological, and Practical Approach. in Chapter one of this book, it is entitled Spiritual Warfare in the Old Testament. So they just go through every passage that mentions Satan or demons or something along those lines, and then just kind of you just kind of work through each passage. They offer a little bit of commentary. And you sometimes you're, you're kind of left going, well, I don't, I don't really know what to do with that. And it raises some serious questions. So I've just been kind of just working through the passages that they're offering. Now, if you remember, uh, they said this on page eight of the book, uh, the Pentateuch. Satan is not mentioned by name in the Pentateuch. In addition, demons are specifically mentioned in only one passage. From a canonical perspective, it seems evident that the devil is to be associated with the serpent in Genesis three. So, in other words, if you take the entire canon, you take the entire Bible, it would seem like okay, the serpent, Satan, is is involved with with that. It is possible that the sons of God in Genesis six should be understood as fallen angels, and there are these are the two of the three passages in the Pentateuch that receive attention, and what follow. So then they say Genesis, the battle begins, and they have Genesis 3, the fall, which going from a canonical perspective, okay, they're like, that, that's Satan, okay. Then they go to Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, the sons of God, which the never-ending debate has raged for basically the entire history of Christianity and how we understand that are those fallen angels, or those demons. Then we did a little episode on Deuteronomy. All right, because this is what the book says on page 17. Deuteronomy, the last of the five books of Moses contains the only explicit reference to demons in the Pentateuch. So if you're, if you're reading the Bible, the first explicit reference to demons is found in the book of Deuteronomy. And that was Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 17. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 17. So let me turn there really quick. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 17. Deuteronomy 32, 17. 3217, and we read these words. They sacrificed unto devils, not to God, to gods whom they knew not, to new gods that came nearly up, whom your fathers feared not. Now, if you just think about this from just a, a reading perspective, here you get the five books of Moses, the Pentateuch, and Satan is never really, is never named. Um, in other words, you're just just say you're reading the first five books for the very first time. You have no other knowledge of anything. You're just reading along. You, you demons are not mentioned. Devils are not mentioned. Satan is not mentioned. You may not. You may just think, well, the snake, the snake did it. You may not have. You, I mean, at this point, you don't have any clue. And then all of a sudden, you you read Deuteronomy thirty two seventeen. All of a sudden, you read De- Deuteronomy thirty two seventeen, and they sacrificed unto devils. They sacrificed unto devils. Now, you have to admit, it would seem a little perplexing and confusing if you're just reading Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and this is the first time something like this is mentioned. How do you process it? How do you understand it? So I find it just fascinating that the very first mention is really just seems just kind of out of the blue. It's just right there. Now, we talked about this. I'm not going to go back and and talk about it. So that concludes the Pentateuch. That concludes. And really, the only specific, explicit reference is Deuteronomy 32, 17. And you can spend some time looking at it. Now, when you turn to page 18 in the book, again, Spiritual Warfare and the Storyline of Scripture, a Biblical, Theological, and Practical Approach, we read these words. First, there's a heading. The Historical and Wisdom Literature. There are four passages in the historical literature and one passage in the wisdom literature that will be the focus of attention in this section. Here are the passages. Judges 9, 22 through 24. First Samuel 16, 14 through 16. First Chronicles 21, 1. 1 Kings 22, 19 through 23 and Job chapters one and two. So remember this, this chapter is all about spiritual warfare, not only in the storyline of scripture, but this chapter is specifically about spiritual warfare in the old Testament. And it's interesting when you just kind of just, you're just reading through it. You're kind of realize, like, wait a minute, like how, how would, how would any normal reader understand this? like, just separated from everything else. What, like, how would you even begin to process it? So, so it's already fascinating to me just from that perspective. But when you come to the historical wisdom literature, again, here are the sections. Judges nine, or the passages. Judges nine, 22 through 24. That's what we'll look at in this episode. First Samuel 16, 14 through 16. First Chronicles 21, 1. First Kings 22, 19 through 23. And Job 1 and 2. I would challenge you to read all of those just if you kind of want to get an idea of spiritual warfare in the Old Testament. Now, this is what they say. Satan is mentioned once in the book of 1 Chronicles and in two passages in Job. Evil spirits are mentioned in several passages in the historical books. And, and, And again, it's just crazy when you read it because if you're just reading it through straight for the first time, you're not really given any explanation. You know, the, it's almost like a, the characters of, de, or, you know, the character of demons is introduced or the character of Satan is introduced with no explanation. No, hey, you need to know this or hey, you need to know, hey, th- hey, the, these in- individuals that we're now introducing into the narrative, their origin is this. And it's really weird because you have to kind of piece it all together. And it does raise the question, why, why is the, the Bible? Why is it presented that way? Like, why, like, hey, here's this serpent. You don't have a clue what's going on. Why, why is it presented? Not like a fallen angel named Satan. Like, why is it presented that way? I mean, to me, any just normal person reading the Bible should ask those kinds of questions. Because it's just strange to me the way it's presented. But we come to Judges. In the Old Testament, the activity of demonic evil spirits is described on only a few occasions. I read that again. In the Old Testament, the activity of demonic evil spirits is described only. On only a few occasions. Now you could ask yourself, why is demonic activity, demonic spirits? Why are they mentioned and on only a few occasions in the entire Old Testament? And then when you come to the gospels, it's much more prevalent. And then you could ask, as you get into some of the epistles, it seems to disappear again until you get back to the book of Revelation. Why is it that way? I think it's a good question to ask, right? I, I think so. Now, here we go. In the Old Testament, the activity of demonic evil spirits is described on only a few occasions. When they are mentioned, they are always depicted as being subordinate to god's sovereign control, the first account appears in judges nine twenty two through twenty four so if you're developing a biblical theological and practical approach to spiritual warfare. And the first thing you do is try to see how it plays out in the Old Testament, because that's the first thing you're going to be confronted with if you're reading your Bible, right? And you find out that, well, demons are not, demonic activity is not really mentioned that much, but when it is mentioned, let me read that quote again from the book. To me, this is fascinating. When they are mentioned, they are always depicted as being subordinate to God's sovereign control. So if there are demonic evil spirits and they are completely subordinate to the sovereign control of God, how does that impact your theology of demonic evil spirits? Hey, demonic evil spirits are out there. Yes, but they are subordinate and under the sovereign control of God. Therefore, they do what God allows. They do what God directs. They're doing what God wants. does that impact your theology on the entire subject? Now, the first one they offer is Judges 9, 22 through 24. Now, I'm going to just read the text and then we'll come see what the commentary they offer. And let's see what jumps out at you if you were to read Judges 9, 22 through 24. When Abimelech had reigned three years over Israel, then God... "...sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the men of Shechem, and the men of Shechem dealt treacherously with Abimelech, that the cruelty done to the score and ten sons of Jerubbabel might come." And their blood be laid upon Abimelech, their brother, which slew them, and upon the men of Shechem, which which aided him in the killing of his brethren. Please note, death happens here, killing happens here, but God sends an evil spirit. It seems to bring this about. Now, this gets into deep serious theological and philosophical questions, right? Now, this is always this thing. If you read the London Baptist Confession, I believe the Westminster Confession uses the same concept, this idea of God using secondary causes, right? So somehow God doesn't get the blame. The secondary cause gets the blame, but God is the one using the secondary cause. It it raises some serious questions. But in your mind, when you think of demonic spirits, do you always perceive demons and Satan fully under the sovereign control of God. And if you do, does that not, does that bother you? Is it easy? Does it make it easier to understand? Does it make it more difficult? And what have you done in your mind with Judges nine twenty two to 24? How have you handled it in your mind in the past? Now, let's see how this book handles it. Here is their explanation. These verses, Judges 9, 22 through 24, come at the end of the Gideon narrative cycle where Gideon, who refused to be made king, Judges 8, 22 through 23, named his son Abimelech, which means my father is king. Now, that's interesting. Gideon refused to be king, named his son Abimelech, which means my father is king. and that kind of is that a play on word. What, what's going on there? Okay, something to consider. In the episode of this section, Gideon's, Gideon's son has been ruling for a while, and things have continued the downward spiral evident throughout Judges. And we know the downward spiral. It's a cycle that just goes on and on and over, and over 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 It's discouraging. It is depressing. Once again, demonstrating people's inability, even God's people, inability to keep the law because we're always condemned by the law and it reveals our sin. We talked about that in great detail on Wednesday night in our study in Jeremiah. Now, they, they, this is what they say. Next, this is page 19. When Abimelech had ruled over Israel three years, God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the citizens of Shechem. They treated Abimelech deceitfully so that the crime against the 70 sons of Jerubbabel might come to justice and their blood would be avenged on their brother Abimelech who killed them and on the citizens of Shechem who had helped him kill his brothers. Now, they, that, that's them kind of quoting the passage, obviously, that we just read. Judges 9.23 states that God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the citizens of Shechem. The context indicates God's purpose in sending the evil spirit and the result. Abimelech sought to rule over a portion of the northern kingdom during the days of the judges. After obtaining the support of the citizens of Shechem, he eliminated all his competitors, for the throne by killing his 70 brothers. The only survivor was Jotham. After he had ruled for three years, God sent an evil spirit as a consequence of his killing of his brothers. The result was great political discord and death. Now, the NIV translates verse 23, God stirred up animosity between Abimelech and the citizens of Shechem so that they acted treacherously against Abimelech. So, the NIV does not have God sending an evil spirit. He just stirs up animosity between Abimelech and the citizens of Shechem. So, the NIV just removes God sending an evil spirit. Now, if God is stirring up the animosity, God would still be involved in the situation. And why would he stir up animosity where that's going to lead to people dying? Again, it raises serious, difficult questions. The New American Standard Bible, agreeing with the Christian Standard Bible, reads, God sent an evil spirit. The NIV rendering understands that God caused a division between Abimelech and the citizens of Shechem rather than sending a demon or an evil spirit. So the NIV completely removes the idea, but it seems most other English translations have, no, God sent an evil spirit to do this. The evil spirit brings about the animosity. The evil spirit causes the problems, but God is the one who sent him to do it. The issue is whether God sent an evil spirit that is a demonic spirit or stirred up an attitude of animosity. So it seems you have two, two options in how to handle this. God only stirred up animosity or he sent an evil spirit to stir up the animosity. Now, if God sent an evil spirit to do it, well, then God is using a secondary cause. So then in a direct way, God is not involved. If God did not send an evil spirit to do it, then God is directly involved. He is the one stirring up the animosity. So God would be the direct cause of it. Not the indirect, but the direct. Now, does that create a problem about basically God bringing about sin? And he. Supposedly, he's not the one to do that. So you see the kind of dilemma you get. But even if he sent an evil spirit, well, then he's not. And he's not. He's against indirectly because he's using a secondary cause, but he's the direct cause and sending the evil spirit. So that just kind of produces a different question. Now, the Hebrew phrase. This is what they say. This is their explanation. The Hebrew phrase is identical to 1 Samuel 16:14 concerning Saul theologian Victor P. Hamilton highlights a a number of similarities between Saul and Abimelech suggesting the two passages should be understood along the same lines the circumstances turning to page 20 are comparable to the situation in 1 Kings 22 and the lying spirit sent from the heavenly council to deceive Ahab into going into battle. The similarities between Saul and Ahab favor the thought that God used a demonic spirit to drive a wedge between Abimelech and the people of Shechem as a result of Abimelech's wickedness. And that concludes that section in the book, Spiritual Warfare and the Storyline of Scripture, a biblical, theological, and practical approach. Now, you can say, no, 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 God didn't send an evil spirit. He only stirred up animosity, and then you can try to explain that. Or you can say, God sent an evil spirit. You can debate that with yourself. I would love to get your thoughts on which way you think we should go. That's fine. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com. But for the sake of this episode, what I want you to struggle with, what I want you to work on, what I want you to try to process is, okay— here is Satan, and here's all the fallen angels. Here's all the demonic spirits, however many they may be. Multitude, however. Uh, however many they may be. Understanding, first, that they exist, and secondly, understanding that they are, in fact, the way this book describes it, that they are subordinate To God's sovereign control. So so you think about Satan and evil spirits exist, but they are subordinate to God's sovereign control. They are under the control of God. How does that, how do you process that? How do you handle that in your theology? Because if they're completely under God's control, well, then you would be like, well, then God can just move them away from causing any problem. They can't cause any problems. They can't tempt anyone. They cannot possess anyone. They cannot oppress anyone. They cannot do anything. But then when you read, wait a minute, Satan roams about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's only roaming about because God is, he's under God's sovereign control. God is in a sense the zookeeper. He's keeping the, and he's like, nope, lion, you can go over here. No, I'm going to let you out of the cage. You can go over here. No, I'm going to let you go over here. And we see a little bit of that in the book of Job. God is the one controlling the entire situation. Now if God is controlling the the work of Satan completely, how do you process that? Or at least to me that raises serious questions, right? I mean, I can't be the only one going, "Well, wait a minute." They're completely, if they're completely subordinate to God, why does God allow them to do anything? Why does God even allow them to exist? I mean, does God need an evil spirit to bring about, um, hang on, as See, the King James translates it this way. The King James translates it this way. When Abimelech had reigned three years, God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the men of Shechem. Between. Now, others, I think another translation has it to basically stir up animosity, to stir up animosity. So, in other words, did, did God did god does god need an evil spirit to stir up animosity to create problems he doesn't need an evil spirit to do that right so but then does god need the evil spirit in order to keep him from being blamed all right yeah someone just said it's definitely hard to understand the process i think it is as well but it, but I, I, I don't think it's something we can just like it's definitely hard but at the same time i don't know if i can find an answer but at the same time, I don't know if I can just, I, like on one hand, I have to let it go because I just can't completely understand it. On the other hand, we definitely have to struggle with how we understand it because you listen to some Christians talk and it's like God has lost control. They're, it's out of his control. Or at the very least, he's like, well, I'm just going to let it go and I'll take control later. But this would seem to be, no, they're always under the subordinate control of God, Always. Any action they take, they take direct, directed by God, or God is directing it, controlling, utilizing. I mean, think about it. In Job, God's the one who sets the entire thing; He controls, sets it up. And that's all God. If Satan allows God, or if, if God allows Satan, I should say, obviously, obviously I'm misspeaking there. If God allows Satan to directly tempt, like a direct tempt, or to direct or even indirectly to tempt us through Satan utilizing his power and influence, using the, the, you know, the, the lust of the f- flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, using the world system to entice and to, if God is allowing, controlling and directing Satan to do this, to bring about the wickedness and evil in this world, You have to ask yourself, well, then wait a minute, God. if God is doing it, he knows that even Christians are going to succumb. Even Christians are going to fall. And so then you have to ask, when it comes to sin and failure, how much is literally uh, according to God's, like, it has to be a part of God's plan to some level. Why does he allow it? And why does he do this? God sent an evil spirit. How do we process that? All right. There you I, I just You say, do you have a good answer? I don't know if I have a good answer, but I want to at least present that to you. So I want you to look. Again, if you want to just look at the, the demonic spirit, Satan being utilized— In the historical and wisdom literature of the Old Testament, the passages you need to read are Judges 9, 22 through 24, 1 Samuel 16, 14 through 16, 1 Chronicles 21, 1 1 Kings 22, 19 through 23, and Job 1 through 2. Now, you can look at those passages and just see, based off just those passages alone, what do you learn in regards to Satan, demonic spirits, and spiritual warfare in the Old Testament? We've looked at one of those. I'd love to get your thoughts and feedback on how you process all of that and what it means to you. There's a lot of questions I don't have answers to, but there you have it. Now, feel free, grab the Sermons 2.0 this e- uh, uh, app this evening, the Sermons 2.0 app this evening, and just do a search. I've got the Sermons 2.0 app here. Let me just go here. I'm going to go to, where do we want to go? I'm going to go to search. I'm going to go to search. I'm going to go, let's go Judges 9.22. And I only get, I only get three sermons that way. I'm going to hit see all. No, I get more, much more. Okay, I had, to, I had to hit see all. All right. Um, I have a bunch here. We got Judges nine twenty two through twenty six, uh, the rise and fall of the Bremble King, Antichrist betray their own, Abimelech, an evil spirit from God. There's a direct sermon called that, the downfall of Abimelech, Shechem's repercussions, the fallout. God gives them up. God causes the wickedness to return. Problems of the heart. Swift justice. There you go. You can you can just look them up and see what you can find, and uh, well, and if you listen to one, let me know because I guarantee you, there's going to be lots of different perspectives in the way people handle it. I don't I don't I don't think most sermons. I feel like raises serious questions, and I don't think most pastors entertain those questions <laughs> and those struggles. But listen and see what you can come up with. All right, thanks to list, for listening, and uh, everyone have a good night and. Spend a little time in Judges chapter 9, 22 through 24, All right, Or you can look at the rest of those passages, and that will give you all of the references to Satan and demons and the historical and wisdom literature. Again, Judges 9, 22 through 24, 1 Samuel 16, 14 through 16, 1 Chronicles 21, 1, 1 Kings 22, 19 through 23, and Job 1 and 2. Thanks for listening. God bless.